How's it going out there? This is going to be a packed show. We're going to jump right in. Man, oh man, was there a lot of action as you heard on USF Bulls Unlimited. We had three baseball games for you. You'll hear some of the highlights, but we're going to start off with softball. We also want to bring you what happened with men's basketball on Saturday, set up what's going to happen tomorrow with women's basketball. Tennis was in action as well as golf. And I got to tell you, there's a chance we might not do a show tomorrow just because I was having issues with my laptop that actually started at the end of the broadcast on Friday. Uh, If you ever have a big drop of water hit the middle of your keyboard, there's a chance something's going to go wrong. And you never know how much you use the space bar until you don't have use of your space bar. I did discover about two days later the on-screen keyboard. So that's just a little note for you guys. There's a feature called on-screen keyboard. You can actually type without using your keyboard if your keyboard's all jacked up but I might have to take the laptop in and get it worked on and if that's the case well it's got all my editing equipment all of my station stuff so we might not have a show tomorrow if that's the case I'll go ahead and tell you now that we're going to have a special broadcast for that women's basketball game against Wichita State it will be in collaboration with WDAE of course our radio partners for football and generally that's the only sport that they carry but this will be a special night. They are doing a huge promotion, not just with WDAE, but other stations in the iHeart Tampa building. Anyway, we're going to go on the air a little early at 6.30, but you need to tune in. I will give you full reign to tune in to WDAE's Jay Retcher and Ian Beckles starting at 3 o'clock on Tuesday. They will be broadcasting their show from the Yingling Center. They're going to have Jose Fernandez right off the bat after 3 o'clock, and they'll have many of the head coaches. So it's going to be a USF-themed Jay Retcher and Ian Beckel show Tuesday from 3 to 6.30. And then, unlike our normal 15-minute pregame, women's basketball will get on the air at 6.30, do some special stuff. We'll even pop Jay Retcher on the mic during our play-by-play. After all, he stepped in and called women's play-by-play. Remember back in 2020 when I had my detached retina and I couldn't go on the road, and he knows what he's doing, so we'll have some fun tomorrow. Now, we'll preview the show on tomorrow's Bulls Beat if there's a Bulls Beat. But if I'm getting my laptop worked on, there won't be. Now, well, we told you that if the softball team could go 3-1 and one again this weekend, like it did in weekend number one, that it would be ranked. Well, it's exactly what happened, and I expect the Bulls to be ranked. This was an amazing event, the St. Pete Clearwater Invitational. And there were so many quality squads. Pretty much every one of them was ranked, and if not, were just outside the top 25, like the Bulls in the 30 range. 16 teams... And including a lot of teams that came in undefeated or 4-1 and one with lofty records and lost more times than they won. That's why going 3-1 and one is a big deal. Now, the second game was really the one that sprung board the Bulls. And then yesterday's finale was the one that brought it home, or else it would have been an even weekend. And again, you have teams, I'm looking at squads like LSU, who went 2-3. and three. Texas, a top 15 team, went 0-5 in Clearwater, including a 15-10 to 10 loss to UCF that we'll talk about on the conference show around the American. Man, is there going to be a lot on that show that will air late on Monday afternoon with what happened at this event alone, but also in basketball and how it impacts the Bulls. But back to this event, the only team that came away unscathed was FSU, and it was the marquee matchup with UCLA, which, by the way, lost a couple of games this weekend. But FSU ends up 10-0 after beating the Bruins 4-3 to on a walk-off in the eighth inning. Washington, a dominant team, went 4-1, and but its loss was to Clemson, a team that wasn't even really on the radar going into this event 2 to nothing. Clemson went 3-2, and but lost 7 to nothing 
to Northwestern, another team that really didn't have much clout heading into this event, but went 3-1 and one like the Bulls. But we care most about the Bulls, and they took down Notre Dame, and it was Georgina Cork, of course, getting the start and going seven innings of two-hit ball, walked a batter, struck out nine, and the Bulls got it going right away. Alexis Johns, who is definitely a candidate for some weekly honors, uh, singles to get things going. She advanced to second on a ground out. There was a hit by pitch, and Vivian Pond, who had a big day, and none of these were big smoking hits, but just getting through the infield. She, Josie Foreman, and Megan Piero in a row all got base hits, and the Bulls had a 3 nothing lead. On a walk, a sack bunt, and a steal of third by Jordan Cadlub with a bad throw. That was the run in the second inning. The Bulls would tack on one in the third. Des Maldonado, a sack fly, scoring Josie Foreman, who had singled, advanced on a bunt, and another bunt. So you had bunt singles, you had sack bunts. It was all working for the Bulls. Two more runs in the fourth inning. You had a dropped foul ball in there. It was Alana Rivera and Vivian Pond. Starting with back-to-back singles, you guessed it, a Josie Foreman sack bunt, setting up the RBI from Piero, and later from Maldonado, who had a nice game. Those were the seven runs for the Bulls. They actually had a chance to run rule Notre Dame, but did not tack on any runs in the fifth or the sixth inning still. Eleven hits compared to two on the other side. Foreman and Piero both had three hits on the day, with Piero and Maldonado both driving in a pair. And again, we would have loved to have broadcasted these games, but there frankly wasn't a spot for us on the particular field, Field 9, that the Bulls played all their games on. We communicated with the folks out there, but it just wasn't going to be possible. And of course, as I was watching what unfolded over the weekend, I was like, boy, I wish I'd have been calling that play, but we'll gladly direct you to ESPN Plus where you can catch the replays and watch some of these exciting highlights. We won't use any of the audio here. Again, with my computer situation, kind of limited in what I can do so we'll just tell you what happened and believe me it was exciting and really the game on Saturday was the one that got it going the win against Notre Dame was great but would they run into a juggernaut of Oklahoma State we told you on Friday's show how of course the cowgirls and that's what they're called for their female teams were seventh in the country and returned a lot of key players added some pitchers we mentioned Morgan Day who was Illinois State's top pitcher and the Missouri Valley Conference Pitcher of the Year, and that's who the Bulls faced. And they got to her now. It took a while to get to her, but they certainly did. Gorick was pitching for the Bulls, which, of course, was a big deal. She was cruising along. Then the Bulls gave her a lead in the bottom of the second. Josie Foreman smacks a double down the left field line, and she would come home on a Des Maldonado single up the middle. Maldonado's progression at the plate is a big story because... Frankly, coming into this season, she was having issues. She was a career 132 hitter, and that's in three seasons, 114 ABs with just 15 hits. And this year, she is hitting 263, and what a day to get it going. She had three hits of her five this season against Oklahoma State. So sometimes you're pinpointing key factors, and you're surprised, and in this case, really surprised. But speaking of factor, leading hitter for Oklahoma State is Cheyenne Factor. She's a 414 hitter through the weekend with a team high in that and a team high in home runs with four. She got Corrick for a home run, and the game was tied. Boy, did the Bulls have an answer in the bottom of the fourth inning as they sprung it open with four runs. The big hit was a bases-clearing triple, 
by Alexis Johns. Josie Foreman singled, then Piero strikes out. Madison Epperson, a quality at bat, walks on a 3-2 pitch. And then Maldonado, yep, who had provided the first RBI, does it again. And then she would advance on a wild pitch. Another full count walk to Jordan Cadlub, the nine-hitter for the Bulls, brings up Johns, and she takes it deep to the wall. And the Bulls go crazy with the 5-1 to one lead. The game was pretty much decided at that point. The Bulls would add two more runs in the bottom of the fifth inning after two were out. That was the crazy thing. And two out, still you're up 5-1, but can't hurt to tack on some runs. Didn't seem like it was going to happen here. But Megan Piero walks, full count. Steals second, gets to third on a bad throw, and Madison Epperson brings her home. Maldonado's third hit continues the ride, and Cadlib makes it 7-1. to one. Nine hits on the day for the Bulls. Georgina Cork on the other side doing her thing, and the Bulls win 7-1 to one in this game. Cork with six strikeouts, three hits, her first earned run allowed of the season. Johns with those three RBI. Maldonado with a 3-for-3, three three, two RBI day, and Foreman with two hits. Now we go on to Sunday, and you knew that Cork couldn't pitch both games, frankly. And I see what Ken Erickson did here. He figured that the Bulls had a better chance to beat Wisconsin, so he held off, and that was the second game. The first game was against Auburn. You're wondering, Auburn is 9-1 and one after going 4-1 and one at this event. Only loss was to UCLA. Frankly, this game last season, maybe the season before, would have been a run rule loss. It was not. The Bulls got... More than adequate pitching. And again, this is the Auburn team that we told you have these incredible offensive numbers. We're averaging basically nine runs a game, and the Bulls held them down to five in this contest. Still enough to beat the Bulls five to one. Aaron Pepping got the start, went three and a third innings, six hits, two walks, three runs. Cam Dolby came on and did a nice job. Did still, again, have problems with the strike zone, but kept it down to two runs in two and two thirds innings. And Antoinette Hill pitch the final inning for the Bulls. Auburn really has two co-aces. Matty Penta is the one that went to 4-0 with the win against the Bulls. Auburn had just seven hits in the game, but also walked four times while on the Bulls' side, three hits. Two at the top of the order. Mentioned she's having a pretty good year, Alexis Johns. So the key was, could they beat Wisconsin and make it a winning weekend? The answer was yes, but it was very dramatic getting there. This is the game and USF softball Twitter account did a good job of putting out the key highlights where the Bulls win it two to one. They were going up against not a hard thrower, Ava Justman. And in fact, she only struck out three in five and two thirds innings, but she was giving the Bulls fits. Meanwhile, Corrick was racking up the K's, but gave up an unearned run. And it just had the feeling of, oh, is this going to be how this one ends? One to nothing against really a team that you're out pitching. Just can't get the ball through the infield. It's talked about how against Notre Dame, things were just dribbling through. Well, it wasn't happening in this game. And that unearned run was in the bottom of the third inning. It came with two outs, and it was really an innocent grounder. We talked about Katie Conwent, Wisconsin's top hitter. She's not the fastest runner. It was a slow roller to second, easy play. And Megan Piero boots it, and the ball gets away from her. So it was a shocking way for Wisconsin to take the lead because... They had a runner on first, two outs, and a weak ground ball. Easy play, and it turns into one to nothing. Key play came in the bottom of the fourth inning. This is the one I retweeted. If you don't follow me, you should, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K, 
S-H-A-R-P. A couple of singles, one a bunt single, so it's runners on the corners and nobody out. And Wisconsin is not hitting the ball hard against Corrick. So what do they do? Smart play. Bunt, and all heck broke loose. Corrick charges, makes a nifty underhand flip with their glove. They have the runner dead to right, so she actually checks back to try and allow time for her teammate to get to third base. As this is happening, Josie Foreman is running her down, dives, makes the tag, but the ball comes out after she hits the ground. So the Wisconsin coach is at third base pointing to her runner to get to third and for the other runner to go back to second, thinking that the tag wasn't going to be an out. So this was a little confusing because the umpire actually said the tag was good, but again, the ball came out. So what happens? Alana Rivera starts tagging everybody. And they were both off the base. She actually tagged one runner twice just to make sure it turned out to be a double play and then a strikeout on three pitches. And that was a momentum boost, except it didn't carry over to the offense. And really, it didn't look like it was going to happen because it's still one nothing, two outs in the sixth inning. And then with the swiftness of Alexis Johns, a drop, bunt, single, perfect. Next pitch, she's stealing second. Megan Sheehan swung and missed. But the next pitch, she ropes through the middle for a tying hit. Huge, huge play, and it all started with two outs and the speed of Alexis Johns and the clutch hit by Sheehan. Then in the top of the seventh, the Bulls take the lead. Rivera, instead of tagging runners, tagged a double down the left field line, and then in comes Vivian Pond, bounds a single up the middle. Pinch runner Emily Hanlon gives the Bulls the 2-1 to lead. They actually should have added on as Megan Piero tripled deep, but the runner had to hold it second and was thrown out at home. So actually, Piero adds a triple, but it didn't matter. As Corrick rolled through the bottom of the seventh, ends it with a dramatic strikeout. Strikeout number 13 on the game for her, and the Bulls earn a 3-1 and trip. So for the second weekend in a row, Wisconsin goes 3-3, three and three, losing to three ranked teams in its first event. In this one, they also got beat by Auburn. They actually beat that Clemson team 2-1 to one in eight innings. But either way, Wisconsin 6-6 six and six and played some good ball. And the Bulls are 6-2, and two, thanks in large part. Now, the offense is doing its part. But Georgina Corrick is 5-0. and oh. Her last four games have come against ranked Michigan, 11 strikeouts, one unearned run. Notre Dame, 9Ks. Of course, she went the distance in all of these. Seventh-ranked Oklahoma State and 13 Ks against Wisconsin for the season, 5-0, ERA of .21, 34 innings, 50 strikeouts, 3 walks. Tally up the numbers offensively through the weekend, and you have 3 bulls hitting above 400. That's been the big difference. They are hitting nearly 300 as a team. Josie Foreman is hitting 438, so she's not just popping the ball out of the ballpark. And she had that big double. She has the one home run this season. Piero hitting 435, leading the team with eight RBI. Alexis Johns hitting 417. She is six of six on steals. She and Piero both have a team high in 10 hits, and Johns leads with eight runs. Sheehan hits 357. And Des Maldonado, it drops about 100 points to her in the fifth spot at 263. But again, that is a big uptick for her. Vivian Pond hitting 250, and that's big news because six hits in the first two weekends of the season, 
in her first two years. Now, granted, this was just 20 at-bats, but Ken Erickson thought to make her the DH this year. In her first two years, she was mostly a pitcher. She had two total hits. So you have Maldonado and Pond contributing offensively when, frankly, they had not in the past. It is looking good right now for the Bulls. And again, I would look for them to be ranked when the new top 25 comes out. We will not be able to do any of their games, but they are back at home this weekend. We've got enough going on with yours truly out of town with women's basketball. Jay Retcher, who would call the baseball games, is also going to be out of town covering the Lightning event, the Summer Classic in Nashville. We are working on getting some special guests to call the baseball action this season, but softball, we're just going to be able to simulcast the contest. They will play Friday afternoon a couple of games against two SJUs, St. John's and St. Joseph's. They'll play Fairfield, the other team in this event, on Saturday. We'll talk more about that later on in the week. Then it'll be a bracket finish based on how you do in your first three games. So that action, we won't carry live for you, but we still have plenty more softball to talk about and to broadcast for you on Bulls Beat and, of course, on Bulls Unlimited. Great job, ladies. And, of course, Corrick, American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week is a given. National Pitcher of the Week could be a given. Coming up next, the rest of the weekend, baseball, basketball, tennis, and more. Stay tuned.